0: My name's Red, and I want to tell you about the
1: Transformers.
0: My curiosity is aroused. Oh,
1: These fools worship Transformers.
0: Decepticons, transform and rise up. Robots with emotions. Robots who can die. Arrest.
2: Silence. Hey folks, and welcome to Transformers Tuesdays, the Van spin spinoff show where we talk about Transformers all the time, every time. And uh, this is part of our Fright Fest month, and um, I think we've kind of run out of official like Halloween transformer stories. So now but there, there are still plenty of like horror themed like transformer stories. So that's probably what we're going to do from now on. Like it, when, as we continue this tradition. But uh you know, I'm I'll I'll be your host tonight, but joining me tonight is
3: Hey, what's up? This is Derek Derek WC. My show's not canceled yet.
1: And this is Justin. Awesome.
2: Yeah, so uh Thank you for joining me tonight. And this, 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 uh, my, I made the picks this time. And uh, like I, I was kind of, like I said, I, I, I think me and Derek finished off all the Halloween, like UK stories. So we're like, I was like, oh crap. Like we were out of like official, <laughs> like branded Halloween Transformers stories. So I, think, I, I, I
3: think you, you picked some good ones. I, yeah. I, I don't know that I would have necessarily made the connection, but I, I think they totally work.
2: Yeah, it's like I, I had to think of like some stories in Transformers history that actually had like a horror theme, and you know there's still plenty of them, so we shouldn't we shouldn't run out of like you know Halloween themed Transformers material just yet. But uh, like speaking of that, like uh, we will be talk discussing two episodes uh, tonight. Uh, one is from the classic G1 cartoon from season three, of the Dweller in the Depths. And one is from uh, Transformers Prime uh, uh, Season uh, 3. It's titled Thirst. So, and I I picked these two episodes because they sort of have a similar theme. And, like, you know, maybe we'll do a little compare and contrast. But we will start with The Dweller in the Depths. Being the classic G1 episode that I'm sure all three of us have seen multiple times and have a fondness for. And, uh, yeah, so... Can I just before I, i'll I'll read like the summary from the wiki and give all the information, but let me just ask you two, like when do you you know how many how familiar are you guys with this episode like am I not like am I correct in assuming you guys have both seen this episode like multiple times?
1: I am extremely familiar with this episode like this is one of my favorites
3: yeah i, I I'd say the same i'd say I'd say I'm at this point where if you ask me when the first time I've ever seen it, I have like a, I'm like when it aired like i don't i mean i've seen this so many times the first time has evaporated from my you know what i mean like like the 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 nuances or details of the first time are probably erased from my brain you know like i've I've seen this a bunch
2: nice yeah like i i don't think i i, I really thought much of this episode the, the first time i saw it but like in some subsequent viewings. And then like after the internet, you know, came into play and I was like, Oh man, like Paul Dini wrote this episode. So I was like, Oh, so that's why it's like, so like, you know, it's, it's so well done because it's like, you know, one of the, you know, heads of Batman, the animated series. And, you know, I think it kind of shows in the script. So, uh, yeah, like, so like, yeah, this eventually graduated to being one of my favorite episodes after I had seen it multiple times and, you know, appreciated it more. Uh, but yeah, like this is uh, this episode aired uh, October 30th, 1986. Uh, part of the, like I said, part of the third season. Uh, written by Paul Dini. Uh, it's animated by Toei, so it's not. Thank thank God, it's not an Acom episode. So like you know, <laughs> Ooh, we, I feel yeah. I feel like we've we've only talked about Acom episodes like in the recent like past. So like this is a nice like like change. So. But, uh, yeah, I will read the synopsis from the wiki, and uh, then we will uh, go on and discuss it. So, uh, The Dweller in the Depths.
0: Elbatron, I don't know what that thing is back in the tunnels, but even if it gets me as well, I'll die with the satisfaction that the universe will have two more Autobots tomorrow!
2: On Cybertron, the Autobots have just successfully activated Perceptor's new power core, which should be able to triple the planet's energy reserves. A short distance away in their ship, the Quintessons watch, disgusted by the success and progress of their creations. One Quintesson unveils a plan to release the Dweller, one of the early biomechanical experiments called transorganics that were developed by the Quintessons that predate the creation of the Transformers. Unable to even perform rudimentary assignments, the transorganics were unstable monsters that were eventually sealed away in a hibernation chamber deep within Cybertron. On Char, Galvatron is lamenting his Decepticon troops' incompetence when the Quintessons beam down to talk. They inform Galvatron about the Autobot's new power core, but purposefully give him the wrong location. So Galvatron, Cyclonus, and the sweeps arrive on Cybertron and break into the tunnel which leads below and they are pursued by Ultramagnus, RC, Cupp, Springer, and Rekgar. In the planet's lowest levels, the Decepticons uncover a chamber full of strange organic pods, but no power core. Realizing they've been tricked, a furious Galvatron blasts the chamber's machinery, releasing the transorganics from their long slumber. The motley horrors tear into the Decepticons, then turn on the Autobots when they arrive moments later. Leaving the Autobots to deal with the creatures, the battered Decepticons flee to another chamber, searching for a way out, only to encounter the most powerful of the monstrous experiments, the Dweller, a giant energy leech that drains living creatures of their energy. In quick order, the Dweller drains several sweeps, all the transorganics which vaporizes their organic parts, leaving nothing but a few mechanical bits behind, and Rekgar. When Springer tries to rescue him from a storage pod on the monster's back, the zombified Junkion drains his energy, too. All the victimized Transformers have been turned into shambling energy vampires. Cup is lost to the vampire horde as the battle continues. Arcee and Ultra Magnus finally manage to escape. Lost in the maze of chambers and tunnels in the dark depths of Cybertron, unable to find their way back to the surface, The Decepticons find their numbers quickly whittled down by the Dweller, until only Galvatron is left. It doesn't help when Galvatron starts throwing sweeps at it to buy time for himself to escape. Even hunted by this subterranean nightmare, Galvatron can't resist the chance to attack the last two Autobots when he comes across them. Their struggle is soon interrupted by the arrival of the Dweller, which dislodges Galvatron's cannon and knocks him out. RC turns Galvatron's cannon against the Dweller, blasting through a wall, but rather than continuing the fight, the Dweller heads towards the power core. The two Autobots make it back to headquarters, where they update Rodimus Prime and Perceptor on the situation, the energy vampires bursting in right behind them. Perceptor determines that the vampires are suffering from a unique form of energy depletion, and that a power surge should restabilize their levels. The Autobots form a chain with Perceptor at the end, who plugs himself into the console and they inject the crowd of vampires with an Energon Surge. The Surge returns the Autobots and Decepticons to normal. Cyclonus Scourge and the Sweeps quickly escape and rejoin Galvatron in fleeing the planet. Meanwhile the Dweller is breaking free to the surface, getting bigger from its energy absorption and headed for Perceptor's generator. Knowing that it will be unstoppable once it has attached itself to the generator, Perceptor uses the emergency eject to launch both the generator and the dweller into space. As the quintessons who hatched the plot approach Cybertron, they are puzzled to still find energy readings coming from the planet. Then they detect something else. The dweller has been propelled directly at their ship and soon drains it dry. The Autobots work to recover from the loss of the power core, but consider it a small price to pay to be rid of the Dweller. So yeah, that was the Dweller in the Depths. And yeah, it's, it's kind of like I, like I said, I picked it cause it, this is really like, you know, a horror episode of, you know, Transformers. And like, it, it lives up to that. Like I think in spades, like this, this, this episode has a lot of like disturbing and violent imagery. And like, I, you know, it, it's kind of like I think Derek. When you know we were talking about Five Faces of Darkness, you were saying how refreshing it was to hear like you know people say die and kill yeah. and stuff like that. And like you know, I, I love when Galvatron's like kill it, kill it, yeah, like, yeah. You know, stuff like that. Like so, I mean, like I, like I said, I, I this this episode graduated to being one of my favorites. But like, what Derek? Like what are, what do you what are your personal like feelings on this episode? I
3: mean, the the fact that that it's it's you know that it's not an ACOM episode that it's like the 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 brilliant and, and lovely TMS I assume animation like that that just those episodes of of Transformers and, and specifically like season three episodes like I, I love that kind of you know it's like the same thing as like you know th- this is on par with things like Call of the Primitives you know like it's it's very very good animation like i mean it's 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 pretty excellent i mean it's 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 like you know pretty much transformers the movie caliber level you know like i mean it's very very good it takes place mostly on cybertron like that's pretty excellent you get to see kind of again i i think they had a lot of fun this season with having them explore the the caverns, the, the the unexplored regions of ancient Cybertron, and then it led to all these different storylines and everything. And I think the the aspect of the vampiric stuff, like that, that's what you know makes this kind of a fright fest episode and everything. And the fact that like, and and it's interesting because you you mentioned both things, like the zombie aspect and then the vampire aspect, and and it's it's true for both of them because there there is that aspect of like. You know, like when, you know, Galvatron's throne sweeps, you know, back at all these guys that are now infected. I mean, that that's to me more of a zombie trope than a than a vampire trope. But yet, you know, 'cause cause vampires don't normally congregate in herds and kinda lumber after you, you know, but then the vampiric aspect is they're they're draining you of the energy on, you know, so to speak, and, and potentially giving it back to the dweller, supposedly. So and and then I think the dweller itself has a pretty cool design. I think the the other transorganics are just so so weird looking you know like I, I i think I think if they were animated by anybody else, you might think they're a little lame, but I think because the animation is of such high caliber, I don't think I questioned it too much. It's like you know these kind of half animal you know kind of i don't know metallic it's it's weird like you want to say they're cyborgs but it's almost like i don't know it's like it's like somebody fused a, an ape with like a corkscrew or something you know it's like it's like this this really <laughs> weird congregation of 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 mechanical parts it's not just like a mechanical cyborg part that's designed to look like the rest of the animal it's it's like it's like somebody said okay well we got an ape's arm and we got an ape's head but for the legs he's got corkscrews and for the torso he's got a wrench and you know, for the you know, for the other arm, he's got like a can opener, you know. And you're just like, well, that's I don't know. It's it's it, it's very it's very odd. And you can see like the the Quintessons in their own way have that kind of mangala aspect that's infused into them. It, you know, even though it's a a children's cartoon ostensibly, like th- there is that twisted nature of that. You know, they they tried to make the Autobots and Decepticons their their servants. You know, like they're they're you know consumer goods and 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 warrior goods or whatever and you can see they were trying it with this this bunch of quote-unquote failed experimentation it kind of reminds me a lot of like like you know they're they're like evil evil owens you know it's like the the in oa you know they had the manhunters and that didn't work out so then they went to the green lanterns and stuff like that it's like the Transorganics are like they, they, you know, the Quintessons tried to make anamorphs or some shit, and it was like, oh, these are lame, like, let's make Transformers, you know, like, type thing. And so that, you know, that's an interesting backstory. Um, I think it's also interesting, too, I don't know if this is the first time we've seen all of these designs. I mean, obviously, the, the, the bailiff design for the Quintesson we've seen before, but the, the main scientist who basically designed or created the Dweller, Like, I think that's the first time we see his type of design, I guess. And I assume it's all, like, Floro Deary-type stuff that they've plucked from whatever his art concepts were and stuff. But I, I did find it interesting that these Quintessons all look a little different from your, say, standard atypical Quintesson design, like the Judge design. And then, you know, but there is that funny moment where, like, it's like, it's like they almost talked Galvatron out of being, like, speciest or something, you know? Because he's kind of like, they, they come beam down, and he's like, Quintessons, like, you betrayed us! Like, I'm not going to talk to you, and it, you're like, yeah, why why would he talk to them? And then the Quintessons are kind of like, well, we are not all the same, Galvatron. And he's kind of like, well, you all do look alike, but okay, I don't want to be accused of speciesism, so give me your pitch. Tell me what you want to do. Galvatron's like like Chris Tucker or something. It's like, all y'all look alike. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I I enjoy the episode. I I think it's pretty great. I mean, it's funny how it's like, you can be pretty forgiving of something like this, because the the animation is so great and fluid and, and just cool looking, but it's funny how there's that weird bit where clearly in the script, in the beginning, it was intended to be Rodimus Prime that was giving them the signal from the power core, but in the animation, it was this beautiful-looking Springer. And they even have, um, uh, uh, what is it, Gaudier doing the Rodimus dialogue coming out of Springer's mouth. So, like, part of me wonders, like, what was the... Like, did they not
1: catch that? Like, how... How did it get that
3: far? You know, like you wonder, but I don't know. What about you, Justin?
1: I don't remember what year it was specifically, but I do remember the first time I watched this. It was when Transformers was airing on the Sci-Fi Channel, and it was on summer break. And, you know, the reason this stands out to me is for reasons you guys have already already mentioned. You know, the, the high-quality animation is one one big plus and, and then just the story and then another aspect that derek mentioned you know just exploring like what's underneath cybertron i mean you guys know me like i like history and then and even in fiction when people are exploring history in like i don't know star trek or star wars like like star wars like i love the old republic era so like in transformers fiction like whenever they go back you know millions and millions of years ago and they're telling you some old story or they're like going to the very depths of cybertron there's like secret passages and monsters and the plasma energy chamber and all that stuff like like all that stuff has my attention so that was another reason i really like this i remember like what made me set up the first time i watched this was like i think it's that one transorganic that like, I call him Transmetal Tucci Torque, because that's what he looks like to me now. But, like, he takes his claws and he stabs them, I think, into, like, one of the sweet... Oh, they're, like, in
3: Yeah, it's, like, Cyclonus and the... He kind of looks more like a bear to me, but I see what you mean, because it's, like, it, it, it yeah. does look like Transmetal Tucci because It's
1: got, like, it's that got color that, scheme. Yeah. yeah. But, like, when he, like, sticks his claws, like, deep into that Transformer, I was, like, holy cow, like, I... I hadn't seen anything like that since the movie. Like, it was kind of, like, that was kind of violent. So I was just like, whoa! Like, I was like, is, is someone going to get killed off? Like, like I was kind of, like, worried, <laughs> to be honest. But uh, You know,
3: it's interesting that you mentioned that, because there are moments like that, because when the dweller, like, grabs Rekkar, it's almost like you're like, dude, Rekkar is a main character. And, and the, the voice actor who, like, is normally the sweeps... Usually the way I would always be able to distinguish the sweeps from Scourge is Scourge usually had the, you know, Hey, I'm Scourge. I have this deep voice, Galvatron. And then the sweeps are usually like, Galvatron, I have a high voice. Don't don't <laughs> save me. You know, or whatever, right? And I think because of some of the, the dialogue and stuff attributed to whatever, I always kind of wondered, well, you know, who is this is this scourge or is this a sweep and i think if it was a sweep i would have been like well it's just a sweep there's not a lot of consequences to a sweep getting nailed by the dweller because you figure if 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 they bring the sweep back great but if if he really is legit dead well you know what they got more sweeps you know like it's not it's not as detrimental, but when it was, like, Retgar, and from my perspective, given the VA, I was kind of like, well, wait a minute, Th- like, Scourge got nailed, and I was like, this is, to me, I was like, this is serious, like, they're, 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 their lives are in jeopardy, like, I, I thought, you know, to me, it's like, potentially those guys could be, like, dead, or at least they're they're the undead, or wh- however you want to quantify them as, you know?
1: Another reason I like this episode is the big focus on Galvatron, because you guys know, like, I, I like I love Galvatron. I love his, like, insanity, and he gets a lot of time to shine in this episode. Like, he's, you know, at the beginning, he's a little off his rocker, of course, doing his usual thing of, like, ranting at it, his own troops. But then, like, he's kind of like, I don't know, I kind of feel like he should feel like a total dope for going to this level of Cybertron, because it's all, like, ruined and stuff, so he, you'd think he'd be like, oh, this place is ruined. There's not going to be a new, like, thingamabob in here. But I was like, eh, whatever, it's a cartoon. Like, they need to, like, move the plot along. But I, I just like the fact that Galvatron gets a lot of, like, screen time in this episode. And something I, I, I like is, like, when R.C. uses his cannon, I thought that was, like, really cool. Uh, a really cool moment. Yeah,
2: I, I like um, when uh, they're first going underground and, like, the Autobots are coming up behind them and Ultra Magnus is like, Halt, Galvatron! And Galvatron's like,
1: Ah, Ultra Magnus, of course! And he shoots at him. Like, <laughs> If I had, like, one negative thing to say about this episode, and I think this goes for most Season 3 episodes, is, like, instead of being part of the action, or at least, like driving some of the action uh rodimus is like relegated to like being in the command center with preceptor and ultra magnus kind of has to like you know be our like lead uh autobot i mean i mean i'm with derek like i really like rodimus but i think in a lot of these stories he's kind of like he's more picard like on the enterprise than like you know optimus prime is like captain kirk he's like in all the missions like doing everything in the trenches
3: I I, I I feel like telling you to bite your tongue but the, the the i i see what you're saying my my thing is i i think it's interesting in the synopsis they kind of gloss over but it's like yeah perceptor launched the power core but i mean rodimus was the one who decided right like he's the one who gave the order and he's the one who had the foresight to be like look if, if the power core is going to cost us the entirety of Cybertron, and he made a quick decision, it was the right decision, it was on mm-hmm. his feet, it wasn't this, you know, G1 Marvel comic willy-nilly Hamlet Prime where should I do this, shouldn't I do this, let me wring my fucking hands, it's just like, dude, launch the fucking core, and he does it, and that, I mean, that pretty much fixes every you know i mean yeah they're trying to rebuild cybertron and it's not the greatest thing that they had to launch the core but you know what for all you know like dude perceptor can build another fucking power core yeah like it'll be fine like and but but all these people turn into you know, wigged out Maxi Zoon Dweeby Transformers is not gonna fucking fly, right? So he, he takes care of business. And it's not this thing of, you know, and and and, and the other thing about it too is, you know, yeah, I, I I would usually get on my high horse and be like, you know, why does an optimist stick around to blow Megatron away after he comes out of the lava pit? And you could potentially throw that back in my face and say, Well shouldn't shouldn't Rodimus make sure the the dweller is totally, you know, Dead and buried or whatever, but it's like I think the way they ended is pretty clever because it's like the the quintessons that sick them, you know. Basically, even though Galvatron got the wool pulled over his eyes to unleash it, right? Like they pay the comeuppance. Like they're the. It's like it's like karma, you know. Like Rodimus launches it, you know, or at least has it orders it to be launched. Perceptor pulls the. Switch, it gets launched, and then after it's done with the power core, it still wants something else, and it latches onto the quintessence shuttle, and they're like, help, ah!" you know, and that's, I mean, to me, it's like, it's for a horror story to have the person who instigate the horror face to come up in, so, I mean, that's, that's standard, you know, Tales from the Crypt, like, Twilight Zone, whatever, you know, what have you, like, like, usually, you know karma's a bitch and, and and it bites them in the ass at the end and like that's a you know that's a, a, a well-written episode it's a good way to do it like i mean i suppose if, if i had any criticism i think it's because we spent so much time analyzing five spaces of darkness from before and i'm thinking about you know uh, yeah my name's teaspoon and i'm a yeah, I'm a dishwasher <laughs> or whatever. And it's like, you know, the Quintessons are like, he is lying, you know, 90% chance, like Cybertron's totally fortified and nobody can bust through it. And I'm like, I, I, I can chalk it up to Galvatron's Megatron and he knows all these like, you know, secret ways to to get onto Cybertron or some shit. But part of me is kind of like, if it's so fucking fortified, wh- why is it Galvatron, Cyclonus, and an army of sweeps can just stroll on in and, and get to this core, like, like, you know, I mean, I know it's only 22 minutes and they don't have that much time, but it would have been interesting to see them like, you know, run into superior and maybe kick his ass or something and then land on, you know, Cybertron. And then I would have been like, okay, they tried, you know, they had four or five defenses, but you know, they, they were no match for Galvatron and, and his army and, and he just kept trucking on through. And that, you know, is, would be my only very minor, you know, criticism
2: well, it's, of the, the piece. I, I like in in response to that. I would just say maybe they, you know, they they kind of the quintessons like you know obviously led them into a trap or whatever and told them to go this way. Like because even like if they had taken say like Soundwave with them and had Soundwave like eject Ratbat or laser beak and had him scout Cybertron or something they would have discovered that the power core is, like, above ground and, like, a very visible area and not, like, below ground and, like, you know, the farthest possible place it could be, so.
1: Another thing I learned from this episode, like, the first time I watched it, I didn't know those things on Magnus's shoulders were, like, missiles. I just thought they were, like, some, you know, weird design element. And then when he shot them at that door, I was like, wait, those are missiles? Like, why can he never uses those things? Like, what?
2: He doesn't, he, he, it seems like he forgets to use them sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, or, you know, the, they, the animators forget what they are. Or, yeah. And it's not like, like once he uses them, they're gone forever either. They're like replaced in the very next scene because they yeah. can't like be bothered to keep like continuity or whatever, but.
3: I suppose is that, is that like Optimus Prime's trailer, the whole spatial excuse where it's like the minute Ultramagnus launches one uh, red little missile, then it's like it's immediately replaced with another one from that little pocket dimension. Yeah, it's
2: subspace. He holds all his ammo in subspace, yes. Yeah, I love I I love the whole like Galvatron sacrificing his troops to the Dweller and stuff like <laughs> yeah. that. Like you know, yeah. hey you, be a good soldier. <laughs> you
1: know, Galvatron, no, you help him. Yeah,
2: I I do <laughs> like like when Cyclonus gets caught, like Galvatron actually like hesitates for a second, and then he keeps going. Like and then he's like, I've got to get out of here. Yeah.
3: Well, it's like, dude, he, he's trying. I mean, I mean, that, him and Cyclonus were the last of the bunch, right? And he's like, he's like, come on, man, we gotta, we gotta hoof it. And then, and then Cyclonus gets nailed with a little spider web and shit. And he's like, Trump! I can't break free. You know, it's just like, all right, well, I'll turn around and see if I can help you. But it's like, oh, you're fucked, man. I can't, can't do anything for you now. You know, so he's like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. You know, it's funny how, it's funny though. Like to me, it's like. They love him. It doesn't matter that he threw them into the fucking goddamn <laughs> dweller. Like, when he comes back, gall- the first thing out of fucking Cyclonus' mouth is like, we are so relieved that you managed to escape. And he's like, yes, that's right. <laughs> I don't know. It's fucking
2: <laughs> great. I don't know. Did, I don't know. Like, was it me or did, like, Cyclonus sound vaguely sarcastic there? Like, mm. I feel like there was a tone to it. Uh-huh. Like, there was a tiny bit of a tone to it. Like, you know. You, yeah. dicked us, you dicked us. You over, Lord Galcon.
3: <laughs> but you know, but even that, nice even that, you, to, you know, <laughs> Even that, he's like, that's right. I did. That's that's the Decepticon way. Like like they, that that's their culture. You have to respect their culture. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
3: uh, uh, no, it's it's good. It's a good episode, and it's it's fun. It works with the the the. I guess, you know, the themes we're looking into, you know, the kind of scary, you know, the one thing I wanted to bring up, though, was I, I think it's interesting. I know, I know we may compare it to, you know, the, the Prime episode that we watched for the, the, the second half of this episode. But the other thing I thought of a lot it was basically the, um, you know, like the return of Optimus Prime. You know, like like because there's there's that similar aspect of people slowly getting converted. In this case, they become energy vampires and they turn all gray, but then they're they're all infected. They're zombified, you know, or they're they're vampires. However you want to, you know, whatever analogy you want to make. But when you know, when you've got like the the hate plague, I mean, it's it's fairly it's a fairly similar thing. It's like the hate plague and the dweller infection for lack of a better term, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty much like kissing cousins, right? Like they're not, they're not completely, you know, independent of one another that you can have similar story beats where people throw people into, you know, it's like, I need to get out of here. You know, it's like, yeah, you'll, you'll throw a sweep in the, you know, in in the path of the energy vampires or you could just as easily throw a sweep in the path of the hate plague to buy yourself some time to not get, Turned into this, you know, red hate plague menace as well. So I don't know. I thought that was kind of interesting.
2: Yeah, that's true. It's kind of like they recycled that for like returning yeah, Optimus Prime. Yeah,
3: just just a little bit. I mean, on a, on a different level, you know, it's not it's not exactly the same thing, but it's a similar circumstance, I think. And then and then the other thing I was telling you guys before I started the show, which I thought was super interesting that I didn't know about, was. I didn't realize that there was a Marvel Comics inventory story that adapted this, you know, kind of like issue 43 adapted the big broadcast of 2006. Apparently there was some inventory story they had worked up where it adapted this episode. And so I was like, oh, really? Like that's. I don't know. To me, that was just interesting. And apparently, like, I mean, that would confirm some things, you know, some of the pages that have been posted online of the original art, like that, that kind of confirms, like, at least the script was pretty clear that the, the that Rodimus was supposed to be the one signaling from the, the power core in the opening and in, in the art in the, the comic panels. It's, it's clearly Rodimus. And, you know, obviously in the dialogue that, Susan Blue reads, you know, she's also saying, oh, look, Rodimus gave us the signal, but then it's still, you know, Springer for whatever reason in the, which, which kind of, I don't know, I, 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 do we know anything about that? Like, is there any, like, or is it just like one of those things where it's like, you know, there's no, there's no book or dissertation on why, you know, like there's a bunch of animation mistakes in ACOM, like, so I, I imagine maybe there's not any information about that either, but... I, I'm just curious, like if there's anything I'm missing, like where somehow, you know, I don't know. It's like TMS got the wrong, wrong schematic or something, or they just didn't didn't know what they were animating or something. I don't know.
2: Yeah, it could be. I mean, I mean, even in the best animated episodes, there are like you know still a, a reasonable amount of errors and stuff. So it's just it, you know, it's
3: it just it, it's so weird because TMS animation is so beautiful. It's like, I I don't it's, it's like I almost it's like if it wasn't such a glaringly obvious error, I I wouldn't think of it as like an error. Does that make sense? Like it, it doesn't look bad like that's the most times when an error happens it looks awful you know like it, it's like oh look they fucked this guy's color up or they they swapped this guy's character design or the color palette was transposed onto this other guy or you know i don't know or, or somebody's head is missing from the shot or something you know it's like usually it's something that really ruins the scene whereas like this looks i mean it looks exactly like springer should look except it doesn't have Springer's voice. It's got Rodimus's voice. Yeah, which is the error right? But and it's you like... would
2: you would think too that after they got the footage back, they would catch that like in editing or whatever, or at least like get like you know say like Neil Ross back in the booth to record a new line or whatever. Yeah, yeah,
3: you, yeah. Uh, you know, or who I, I knows? Like maybe maybe they could just you know uh, you know maybe there's some existing line of dialogue that he says where he's like hey oh or you know there's something that they could stick in there instead of. <laughs> You know, but then I guess Susan Blue would be the one who'd really have to re-record because she couldn't say, you know, Rodimus was giving the signal. They'd have to splice in a uh, line of her going, "Springer wasn't giving us the signal." She's like, like "Mr. Black is giving yeah, us yeah, the he, signal." Yeah, like, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah,
2: but yeah, like you know, I, I do, I do like like Justin was saying, like he liked the bit where RC used Galvatron's cannon to like blast the dweller away. I think it was funny that. I think, like when Galvatron was using that cannon, it didn't do anything to the dweller, but when r c uses it, it like knocks the dweller through a like wall or whatever. I don't know, she was just using girl power or something
3: That's, yeah, I think so
2: but yeah like 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 i said this this episode makes it into my like top ten personal favorites of g one at least, and uh you know it like it certainly fulfills the fright fest like requirement and yeah. You know, it's it's got some beautiful visuals. Like, you know, everyone's in character, and you know, it, it expands the lore. Like, uh, yeah, it's definitely one of the best episodes of season three in general. Mm-hmm.
0: Do I
3: just not remember it very well? But I was reading that they said that the Dweller shows up in like, are, are those the Botcon comics? Yeah, Because yep. I I know. I mean, I, I don't know. I have distinct memories of like, you know, Daniel and Wheelie getting blown up and the the what's-her-face the the, the night birds you know yeah. and all that stuff but i it's, i don't know if, i don't i don't know if i just lost track of those those books yeah or, the dweller shows i, up I just in, don't remember it
2: the dweller shows up in issue two okay and uh okay. like with the the beast machines era dinobots like go to some planet and they encounter the dweller there, and the dweller like basically like kills half of them, including like Magmatron. So okay,
3: okay. Yeah. I I just must not remember that part or whatever. Yeah, so I was like oh
2: okay, and I, like the the like the dweller showed up, but like in that issue, like and that's the last you see of that like planet or whatever, and then like wreckers three came out and there's no mention of it and then like wreckers four never happened because that company lost the rights to make like convention right comics. So right okay i think they only released the script to that issue and in the script it says like uh whatever um what's his name what what did the surviving like beast machines era dino bots like make it off the planet and they're like you know oh magmatron like stayed behind and you know, fought the Dweller to the bitter end, and, you know, that was it, like, for him, so, but yeah, and yeah, you know, I think the Dweller shows up in a couple cameos, like, elsewhere, but you know, you, you would think there's a lot of, like, stuff from Season 3 especially that I wish would, like, show up in a greater capacity, like, mm-hmm. maybe in the IDW comics, like the Dweller, like, Tornatron from Call of the mm-hmm. Primitives, like, you know, there's a bunch of, like, cosmic level threats, sort of, like, that they could use, but you know every, every, everyone defaults to like you know unicron, unicron. or
3: you know, whatever else yeah
2: but anyway yeah do you guys have any final thoughts on this episode or
3: nope. i don't yeah i don't think so
2: okay so yeah i think we all liked this episode so uh we will have a quick commercial break and then we will go on to transformers prime episode thirst
0: Adventures into the Unknown Tales from the Crypt Skeleton Hand The Haunt of Fear Dark Shadows Vampirella The Haunted Tank The Heap Eerie Swamp Thing Weird Mysteries Tomb of Dracula Tales of the Unexpected Werewolf by Night The demon. Man-thing Monster of Frankenstein Brother Voodoo The Son of Satan Night Force The Living Mummy The Sandman Tomb of Darkness Evil Ernie Saga of the Swamp Thing Flinch Hellblazer Thirty Days of Night Preacher The Walking Dead. What do these titles have in common? All of them, from Adventures into the Unknown, to Tales from the Crypt, to the House of Mystery, to the Tomb of Dracula, may be found in the Long Box of Darkness. I'm your host, Herman Lowe. Join me every Monday night... For a journey into comic book horror, as we delve into the secrets of the Long Box of Darkness. So, listen if you dare, puny mortals, to the Long Box of Darkness, available on Stitcher, iTunes, and Podbean. And check out the blog at www.longboxofdarkness.com. Good night. And pleasant screams. <laughs>
2: hey, folks, and uh, welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that commercial. This is the second half of our Transformers Fright Fest show, and uh, we will be discussing the Transformers Prime episode th- entitled Thirst. And uh, this was a season three episode when the show was Beast Hunters. Uh, I think if you've heard us talk about Transformers Prime at all, like and, like, and it's been uh, admittedly kind of sparingly. Uh, none of us are really much of a fan of the Beast Hunter season, but I, I kind of remembered this episode and I was like, oh yeah, that kind of had like a real like horror bent to it. So like, that's why I suggested it. And it it's also got some, a few like, you know, baseline similarities to The Dweller in The Depth. So like, I, you know, I figured this would be a good complement to it. So before I, you know, give the information or whatever, had you guys seen this episode before or
3: i have i i mean i i was watching transformers prime you know despite every once in a while giving it some crap i mean i I was watching it as it was airing i i think you did give me an excuse to crack open the plastic on the blu-ray of season three though because i had never i had never opened it up and then and then today i was like oh yeah i gotta watch that episode and i'm like what where is it it's season three and so i looked at my season three uh Blu-ray set. I was like, I've never opened this. So you, you gave me an excuse to crack open the plastic and open it up and everything. So thank you for that. And uh, I think I, I'd probably be willing to say this was the second time I've watched the Thirst episode since it aired on um, uh, probably like The Hub or whatever. The Hub, yeah.
2: What about you, Justin?
1: Oh, uh, no, I've never seen this before. I, I think the last episode of prime i watched was actually the one that introduced uh arachnia or whatever and i didn't quit watching it because i hated it i just kind of lost track of it and then it seemed like before i could like you know get back into it it was on season three and there was some kind of like what there was like a made for tv movie or directed dvd movie or something yeah and just...
3: that that kind of wrapped it up yeah that well we i think i've talked about it before i don't i i don't really like the movie but I, I i think there are things to enjoy about the 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 regular seasons yeah
1: i was gonna say i i just kind of like lost track of it and i actually bought season one and two off ebay a while back like i paid five dollars for both of them like in one lot so i was like planning on sitting down and watching them and then this was just kind of like oh we're gonna do uh you know this thing i was like oh okay well that works out pretty good for me then but i still haven't like and made time to like catch back up to like where i left off or whatever
2: yeah like i was gonna say like rewatching this episode i was like oh man like this is probably a bad like episode to pick in terms of being standalone because like mm. i think even the wiki's notes mentions it it's like this is a terrible episode to be your first like pick for watching prime like because there are so many like elements in play that you need to know basically but like yeah. i think the basic story is kind of simple, but there's just a lot of elements that you that in the play that you need to have pre-knowledge of.
3: Yeah, there's probably just a lot of nuances that would be lost on somebody who hadn't seen the show in sequence.
1: the The only question I really had was like, the guy inside of Breakdown, he's the general that was like harassing the Autobots, like in season one, right?
0: Yeah yeah
1: okay. i I couldn't really remember i was like i think that's the guy but i'm not sure what yeah like,
3: they no. they Cl- like after... Brown's always being the bad guy on all
1: the <laughs>
2: yeah
3: yeah stuff, right?
2: but it's like after breakdown died like the humans got his corpse and then they tried to do something where he was like you know using breakdown as like a mech suit kind of but then, like, yeah, the Decepticons recaptured him and, like, kind of made him into, like, a, like they made Breakdown into, like, a life support system for Silas, like, the soldier. So, yeah, he was kind of bonded permanently to Breakdown's corpse.
1: Okay.
2: But yeah, let me, I'll read the summary for it and we'll discuss it in a little more detail.
0: Tell me something, Starscream. When you said problem solved, is this even close to what you had in mind? I do not appreciate your tone, Knockout. This brewing catastrophe is hardly my fault. Well, it certainly isn't mine. Oh no, you're the mastermind who chose to experiment with synthetic energon. And you're the monkey-wrench who thought it was a good idea to dabble in voodoo! Energize.
2: In Knockout's lab, Starscream bemoans his current situation, having to compete with Shockwave for Megatron's favor. His whining is interrupted by moans from Silas, who is strapped to a table and begging to be freed. Knockout injects him with a derivative of the synthetic Energon he recovered from the Autobots. The compound drives Silas into a rage, which Knockout notes is one of its erratic side effects. Starscream sees in Silas's fury the ma- markings of a super soldier for Megatron. Starscream attempts to inform Megatron of this discovery, but the Decepticon leader is only interested in discussing the status of the Predacon protoforms with Shockwave, who is reporting in from his off-site lab. Brushed off by his leader as unimportant, Starscream sulks on his way back to Knockout's lab. Silas becomes more enraged with each new injection of Synthen. Knockout discovers that the more the compound is administered, the faster Silas burns through his own natural energon reserves. Starscream cannot see the use of having another unruly beast that can't be controlled, but then has an idea, Dark Energon. Knockout objects, noting that the blood of Unicron once turned their own ship against them, and that he would need approval from Shockwave in any case. Starscream assures the Doctor that a controlled minimal injection will merely place Silas under Megatron's command via a symbiotic link with the substance, then asserts that super soldiers are a military concern and thus fall under his jurisdiction. Under orders and under protest, Knockout injects Silas with the dark Energon-enhanced formula. Silas temporarily powers down before rebooting in a rage and breaking free from his bonds, but after only a few steps he crumbles to his knees, desperately low on Energon. Then with a fierce roar, his lower jaw splits into monstrous mandibles, and a long-bladed tongue emerges, which he attempts to use on Starscream to drain him of his Energon. Unable to subdue him, Starscream and Knockout flee down the hull of the ship. Once a safe distance away, Knockout suggests sounding the alarm. Starscream disagrees, not wanting Megatron to learn of their actions. He claims that once Silas attempts to feed upon the ship's highly trained Viacon troopers, they will take care of the threat. Elsewhere, one of the Viacons stumbles upon Silas, who grabs the highly trained trooper and begins draining his Energon. Starscream and Knockout plan the disposal of Silas's corpse when they find the Viacon's corpse instead. While the two argue about who's to blame for their predicament, the dead Viacon is reanimated by the Dark Energon in its system as a Terracon, and reveals the same segmented jaw and bladed tongue that Silas had. Starscream's blaster fire only staggers it, and Knockout suggests destroying the Terracon's head, inspired by human horror movies. Though Starscream's missile is successful in decapitating the creature, it doesn't stop it in the least, as the body lumbers forward with the tongue sticking out of a hole where the head used to be. A concentrated volley of blasts to the Viacon’s chest destroys the monster's revitalized spark, severing its link to the Dark Energon. Knockout posits that Silas could infect the entire crew in the same manner, a theory that's borne out when they find themselves surrounded by multiple energy-draining Terracons. Starscream and Knockout lock themselves in a calm room to get a breather and assess the situation. Accepting that this may be the end, the two Decepticons exchange some awkward final pleasantries and step back into the hall, right into Megatron, who demands to know why the Dark Energon and his spark has been acting strangely as of late. Starscream provides a slanted explanation, but Megatron doesn't believe it until he's forced to destroy an attacking Terracon. After a more extensive debrief of the situation, Megatron puts the ship on high alert and orders Starscream and Knockout to seek out and destroy Silas. Around the ship, Vehicons and Insecticons battle the infected Terracons. Silas wanders into the ship's vault. Sensing Energon within a stasis pod, he breaks it open, freeing and reviving Arachnid. Silas attempts to drain her Energon, although she barely ducks out of the way of his tongue and a short battle ensues but Arachnid is able to immobilize him with webbing long enough to deliver a fatal wound, ripping Breakdown open in order to destroy his spark and make sure he's dead this time. Arachnid instead finds the mutilated real body of Silas, who survives just long enough to thank her for freeing him from his tortured existence before dying. She immediately reestablishes her telepathic control over the Insecticons and commands them to return to her. Their sudden departure is noticed by Soundwave. Starscream and Knockout discover Silas's corpse. Starscream is elated until Knockout points out Arachnid's destroyed prison, followed by Megatron demanding a status update. Arachnid leads the Insecticons through the halls of the ship, ordering them to wipe out every Decepticon aboard. At the end of the hall, Soundwave calmly steps forward to face them. The bugbots attack and Soundwave opens a space bridge directly in front of them at the last second. Before they can react, Arachnid and the Insecticons are teleported away. As the bridge closes behind her, Arachnid realizes that they have been sent to a moon orbiting the abandoned Cybertron screams and screams in rage. Aboard the Nemesis, Megatron contacts Shockwave again to inform them that they're implementing his containment protocol to prevent further outbreaks. He also tells Shockwave to speed up the Predacon cloning project, as they have now lost more than half their military forces. Knockout is sternly reminded that he is the ship's medic under Shockwave's command, and is forced to turn over all his experimental projects to the scientist. Megatron then turns to Starscream, intent on teaching him a lesson the only way that seems to get through to him. Back on the moon, an infected Arachnid drains the Energon from one of her minions as the rest of the Insecticons line up obediently to await their turn. So yeah, that's the uh, creepy end. And uh, I forgot to mention it at the beginning, but this this episode aired on June 7th, 2013, and is written by Marsha Griffin. Like I said, this, there's a lot of elements in play in this episode that you kind of have to know or at least have a general idea of to, like, you know, get, yeah, like Derek said, the nuances of it. What the deal between Silas and Breakdown is, like synthetic mm. Energon, dark Energon, you know, the Insecticons, where Ar- Arachnid was, wh- why Arachnid can control the Insecticons, you know. Uh, and
3: like, even just, I mean, it... It's it's funny because you're going into nuanced details of things that people might not know. But, I mean, imagine if this was your first episode. I mean, you'd get a vague notion that that Breakdown and Knockout had some kind of, you know, relations or uh, a friendship together before this episode. (laughs) And they they, they make it clear through dialogue per se, but you, you wouldn't understand the extent of that relationship had you not seen the the previous two seasons I think I, I I mean you know this show is okay you know like I don't I don't think it's like the greatest show I think I think the the positive things I can say about it is man you know Steve Bloom monologues like a mofo I mean he you know he's not he's not your g1 star screen but he's a good star scream you know he's he's treacherous he, he he's He's self-absorbed, you know, uh, there's there's a lot of good things about uh, his performance as Starscream. And I think the reason why they focus on him so much is because he's probably one of the best and most engaging performers on the show. You know, like I think I think, you know, like, say, for example, like like, I don't know, like Soundwave on that show, it's not like he's the most engaging character you know what I mean so it's like it's like I think I think that's one of the reasons why they tend to focus on him so much because he's interesting I think that's one of the reasons why they tend to focus on Knockout you know like Knockout is an engaging character and seeing them kind of have this weird like I don't know buddy bad cop thing going on (laughs) in the middle of the zombie apocalypse like eh, that's kind of enjoyable like I mean I liked I like the moment where he's kind of like look if, if we're about to meet our end here, like, I just want to tell you, it's been an honor to serve with, you know, serve Megatron with you. And he's kind of like, yeah, I, I think so, too. And then when they don't all get killed, then it's like this awkward kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, so we we had that moment okay and we're not dead yet okay this is kind of weird all right well all right let, let's let's forget we did that you know like that thing that we that we we as decepticons were sentimental for like two seconds because that's kind of weird and awkward and everything and like i thought you know i thought they both played that that moment pretty well yeah, like, I like knockout
2: that. knockout says i've always admired your lustrous finish like stars <laughs> you know
3: <and> you're, <laughs> like, you're like, like all right all right
2: so, it's like i made it weird didn't i like, <laughs>
3: But no, I mean I mean it's a it's a it's a good moment. I, I, I don't know the timeline of these things, but I I feel like well, I, I at least know the timeline of Blade Two, but I, I guess I was gonna bring up Blade Two and the Strain as like examples of vampires that have that, you know, what you described as like a mandible you know, jaw that like parts and all that stuff, and it's interesting because you know you you talked about how we could compare Dweller in the Depths to to this piece, The Thirst, and they're both essentially about robotic transformer vampires, right? Like that's pretty much the common thread, and it's interesting that that one is done, you know, in in, in the late '80s, and is your you know, for all intents and purposes, I mean, you're as much as as broadcast television would let them get away with back then i mean it's pretty much your standard vampire trope like like the dweller you know plunges his teeth into something you know and and drains their energy right like the, the, the you know i i don't know that necessarily Rekkar was was biting springer but i mean the notion is similar he had the red eyes he was kind of vampiric like they drained each other's energy and stuff whereas with this it's very much of that m- modern vampiric era you know that weird hybrid whatever it was in blade 2 where they had the weird mandible jaws and everything was like freaky and stuff and then the the other thing i could think of is is the strain and it's similar it's like they're supposed to be these ancient vampires but to make them fresh or or um or um 30 days of night like like all these like like modern era you know 2010s vampire movies they all have that weird like oh we gotta switch shit up it can't just be you know because nowadays people look back at like you know like it's it like the super sentai episodes me and justin watch where somebody's dracula and it's a, a japanese dude in a in a fucking halloween costume with a pair of fake fucking plastic teeth and everybody laughs their ass off and they're not scared of it right so now they know that and, and i don't mean to demean that right but it's just like it's the Larrys, right? They're like, uh, there's this Bella Lugosi shit ain't gonna fly with the millennials, Larry. You know, like that's, that's probably a lot of what it is, right? So now the vampires, they all have to have all this mandible bullshit with little fucking goddamn, you know, alien, uh, you know, secondary jaws and weird tongue things that come out and all this other bullshit to be quote unquote truly horrific. And I think that certainly carries over into this more modern era transformers show so I, I i just figured it's worth pointing that out i guess and like i said i don't know the exact timeline of all those things but i think most of that stuff probably had come out before this episode came out
2: yeah like 2013 so yeah i, I think Blade 2 at least has like a decade on this episode so yeah, like I, like I, I think that the survival aspect of this uh, story comes across pretty well, and like, yeah, like you said, uh, like Star Scream and knockdowns, like interactions, really, uh, you know, really grease the wheels and make it move along, and you know, like even though like you know Soundwave doesn't talk on this show, but like even though he doesn't talk, I feel like you know. It's kind of like he's kind of the. I, I feel like they were going for like a Snake Eyes thing with him on this show because he's he's actually kind of badass even though he doesn't like talk or do anything and like you know he tricks Arachnid into the space bridge and stuff and he doesn't have to say or like really do anything. It's just and then he just walks off like it was nothing. So like I, I think I liked that moment. Hmm.
0: I
3: you know yeah there's 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 interesting moments. I think it's probably also worth pointing out that this is a strictly decepticon only episode too I mean that's probably another reason why it's not a good first episode for somebody because it, it exclusively I mean there there's zero Autobot presence in this episode and I mean I'm sure that was probably by design right because it's it's horror and you know that they're they're just focusing on the the Decepticon you know, base camp and stuff like that. But, I mean, you, you'd think in, in you know, older cartoons, there'd be some kind of mandate where you have to, you know, focus on, you know, maybe equally or, or, or you know, some kind of percentage of, of you know, we got to sell the hero toys and the bad guy toys or, you know, whatever the deal is, right? But this is this is almost, you know, or not even almost, I mean, this is like 100% septicon focus, right? Like, I mean, there's no... You know, we didn't get to see the kids. We didn't get to see Smokescreen. We didn't get to see Prime or Bulkhead or Bumblebee doing his blue fucking bleeps and and all that stuff, right? We didn't get to see none of that, <laughs> you know. And so, so that's, you know, that's um, I don't know. I mean, it, 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 it's interesting. I mean, you know, it's it's it, again, like I, I think I have my characters from this show that I'm willing to put up with, or I can. I can appreciate, and then there's other stuff. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't know if I've gone into this in much detail, but it's like, I like that they got Frank Welker back to do Megatron, but it's also one of those weird catch-22 things where it's like watching, you know, those a- animated Adam West Batman shorts where he just, it's him, and you know it's him, but he he, he just can't, I don't know if it's the voice modulator that they used back in the day or whatever but it's like it it's just not exactly not, the same yeah. You know, it's 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 a little bit of old age, just well, a little like bit for, of whatever. You know, and like, for
2: for prime, he specifically like changed like his usual Megatron performance, so it was like easier on him to like you know uh, you know mm, perform basically. Mm, so, okay,
3: okay. And then and then if that if that's the case, then yeah, like that's I mean, and that's 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 evident. I mean, I, I I don't think it's a bad performance at all. Like you know, I think it's fine. But it's just if if somebody was expecting, oh, this is the you know, this is the guy who did the classic megatron it should sound exactly like he does in in the g1 cartoon it's like you'll you, you know there, there's a little a uh, little piece of you that'll be uh uh sorely disappointed by that because it's it's not that it is a different take and uh uh you know the the, the again the nuances of that performance are, are are different you know like just you know but and and from what you're saying you know by design you know so it's like and so there's nothing too much you can do about that
2: this is also i think the wiki makes note of it but this is also the first time i think a human dies on screen like in an american cartoon basically like when Mm -hmm. silas like passes away so i guess that's you know significant but i think you know he was kind of like half dead anyway so i mean it's not like you know he got like brutally murdered or whatever but you know, I I do like how he like thanks Arachnid for putting him out of his misery, and she's just kind of like, whatever, like you know, who you know, we're not that close, like. <laughs> I don't know, Ju- Justin. Do you have any like specific thoughts about this episode?
1: So I did enjoy this episode, and one of the reasons I liked it is something Derek touched upon. It's an all Decepticon episode. There's no. Autobots and best of all there's no like Autobot kids running around being annoying and saying stupid things and there's no bleep bleep uh, Bumblebee as Derek also mentioned the moment that made me set up and go okay was when um breakdown's mouth splits apart I was like oh oh like I was not expecting that at all I'll just I just figured he'd be like be some kind of zombie thing and lurch around or something I didn't think his mouth would split open and be like a ah, raw face and like a little tentacle come out of his mouth I was like whoa okay like you, you you got my attention now show um but yeah it was fun uh I I do like that version of Starscream Knockout I think is a good character like I, I can see why they added him into like some of the IDW uh comics before the reboot like he's uh you know he definitely has personality, unlike some other Transformers and recent animated projects. But yeah, it was fun. I also liked him, like mentioning he watched Earth movies. And he's like shoot the head. Like I kind of laughed at that, and then yeah. it, then he was like, "Oh, stupid Earth movies. Why do they know? a waste of time."
3: <laughs> I kind of like, I kind of like when when uh, Blooms just like, hey, the hell with the head, go for the spark, and he just keeps blowing away his chest until he falls over. Like I thought that was a pretty good moment too.
2: Yeah, knockout does like add a lot, I guess, to the Decepticon ranks. Like, he's a car, first of all. Like, you don't see a lot of Decepticon cars. And, you know, he's a medic. And, you know, he just has a good personality. So, like, he's... Like, I I would, you know... whenever, Whenever they want to transplant him into any other continuity, it's, like, fine with me, basically. Like, I think he's a standout character.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it makes sense that the Decepticons would have a medic. I mean, the Autobots have ratchet and they also have will jack if need be i mean will jack's more of an inventor and an engineer but he can also like fix them up like it, it makes sense that the decepticons would need someone else to f- fill that role i mean they can't just let every you know decepticon doofus like just go offline i mean they gotta like keep preparing some of these guys right
2: <laughs> Where was he when like, you know, during the Galvatron years or whatever like
1: <laughs> constantly busy.
2: Yeah, exactly. You never you never saw him cuz he was always like Yeah. Oh, Galvatron blew a big hole in Onslaught. Oh crap. Oh, now we blew a big hole in Motormaster. No, come on. Like he,
1: he was he spent like years in the depths of char just constantly repairing one Decepticon after another.
2: and then like they they actually have to actively stop galvatron from like abusing knockout because they're like (laughs) no he's the only guy who can fix us after you like beat us up like
1: i thought the animation was really nice in this i don't know maybe it's just because i hadn't watched prime since it was airing but i i don't know was there like a improvement in animation from season one to three because it looked pretty nice to me
2: yeah there's probably like a generic like a you know a general improvement cuz it is it's is one of the latter half episodes of the final season so i mean like they probably had their shit together by this point so mm, okay.
3: yeah. yeah and i it's, think i i think they sunk a lot of money into this show i mean it's not like yeah. it's i mean and this is not disparaging any of the other shows or anything but i mean it's 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 certainly not i there's certainly more money spent on this than say robots in disguise or rescue bots you know like so you, and you can kind of see that right because it's like they they only have so many episodes and and uh, you know i i i think the last thing i i nail this show for is is the the animation i mean it looks it, 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 for the most part it looks pretty good and then i guess the one thing i haven't talked about but i know i've talked about it before but do you, i think the music for this show is kick ass like I love that stupid fucking theme song like even yeah. though maybe the show itself doesn't get me as excited and pumped up as the theme song but like I always get excited when I hear that theme song because it's like yeah they're going to come together and they're going to fight this, and they're going to
2: this was the, the the second like the hyped up Beast Hunters like version of that yeah, theme yeah, song yeah. so I do like like I think I said I was kind of bored with the original version but I like the faster paced more exciting version they did for the beast hunters season
3: yeah yeah i dig it i dig it it's cool
2: yeah like it all all, even like you know in the episode itself like the music's very atmospheric like you know in in like justin said the animation like the the mood lighting of the nemesis is like really Mm -hmm. you know complements like this episode so yeah the the setting and the mood lighting really uh it all came together basically do you, like, let me, I'll just ask, like, do you guys, like, even, like, you know, Justin, if you weren't familiar with it, do you like, like, the the idea of a, like, human and a Transformer, like, body, like, kind of fused together, but not, like, like a headmaster, but, like, so, sort of some kind of unholy, like, you know, like, freak of nature, like, you know, Breakdown and Silas are?
1: It's definitely weird, like, for a minute there, I thought he was some kind of, like, headmaster or something i was like wait what's going on here is he a headmaster like is that how far behind i was like i didn't think this thing had headmasters or i would have like i actively picked it back up because you know i like that concept but yeah that's uh that's definitely interesting like when they showed like well they, they never really show his whole body it's like you know chest up right but like he kind of looked like you know frankenstein's monster or something i was just like oh geez like that's that general from season one right like what i was like oh i definitely missed out some stuff because because he's, he's all like frankenstein's monster up in like this like he's in a dead transformer and he looks like frankenstein's monster this is interesting
2: yeah look i think it's like an effect like they don't really like i don't know if they've ever really explored like you know the fusion or union between a transformer and a human like you know to this extent like in in the direction of like a horror like a horror bent or like you know something like yeah Mm. like almost like more like more flagrantly unnatural i guess
1: yeah it's like you know in rebirth when daniel is in rc's head they both she mentioned this like she can like what she she feels closer to him or something? She mentions like feeling a closeness to Daniel, and that's like a very, you know, uh, passive and comforting thought, even though he's in her head. Like so, this this is taking it in a completely different direction. You know, like you said, this is a, you know, for a horror horror themed episode. Like, so imagine
2: yeah. if like like a monkey. Was like living inside your body, <laughs> controlling it, or something. Like, uh, it's, it's, and it's, you were it's, like dead. So,
3: yeah, and 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 it's it's Justin said comparing it to to the rebirth episode. You know, you you feel a sense of of closeness and comfort. This is more invasive. This is mm-hmm. like yeah exactly what mike's saying i mean a monkey like imagine imagine that spider you squashed the other day or 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 sent outside you know because it was it was invading your space and you you took it outside to a web or something imagine that spider is like in your heart and making your heart pump or something and you're just like okay like that's kind of weird
2: yeah it's fun it's like prime like I, in general, like you know, primes. I think you said it, Derek. But primes, like okay, I guess. But it never like yeah yeah like it never really grabbed me. Like I, I feel like it had a sort of like overall like drabness to it. I guess it's the word. Like it, it never really like grabbed me. Even when it was like making references to stuff I liked, like the wreckers or like stuff mm. like that. I'm kind of like yeah, but it's. I don't know. I can't. I'm not excited about that, really. Like, so I, it's, it's something like wrong. Like,
3: I I feel like I just had to find things to, to cling on to. Like, I think it, whenever you ask me about it, I mean, the things I point out is like, I I, I know you you're like, oh, the records reference didn't do too much for you, but I I I remember for whatever reason, even though it's not your typical wheeljack, like when wheeljack showed up and he was doing his whole drift thing or whatever, like. For some reason, I, I, I enjoyed that version of him, even though I recognize it's not, it, you know, it, it's not the traditional, like, G1 version of Wheeljack. Like, I enjoyed some of those episodes, like, with him. And then I think the other thing that I really clung on to through this whole, uh, you know, Beast Hunters era was Smokescreen and how much... I mean, even though I was disappointed in how it all went, I had a lot of hopes for him to to kind of fulfill a a rodimus archetype like i really did hope he was going to start leading that team and all this other stuff and even though that didn't come to fruition i mean i did i did enjoy mentally going on that journey in my own head even though it didn't pan out in the show and i I guess what i'm trying to get at is there are things that i latched on to that that kept me going with this but again the, the the show didn't realize or or live up to some of those expectations yeah. and because of that it's like just okay you know
2: yeah like uh, like justin like i think i stopped following it regularly like very early in the first season and then like i would dip in and out like from time to time but then like once season three hit like there were two things that i kept watching it for and one was shockwave Cause I like any version of like, you know, one of my favorite Decepticons and the other was ultra Magnus. Cause like he was voiced by Michael Ironside and I thought he like, you know, he sounded awesome and like, but like they really didn't, you know, like you said, they, neither of those guys was like, you know, uh, given, you know, they didn't reach their full potential in the show. I guess I feel like, like even in that final movie, it's like ultra Magnus is in it for like 10 minutes and then he gets taken out. And then, like, that's it for him for the whole series. Like, like he shows up in a wheelchair at the end of the movie or whatever, and that's it. And then, like, Shockwave is just, you know, palling around with Starscream. And then, like, he kind of, like, you know... I I forgot what happens to him, but he never shows up again. And then, you know, it's... Like, nothing was really given a satisfying, like, ending to me, I guess, so. Or, like, even progression.
3: Yeah, the ending... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I feel like I've talked about that enough, but but that the that beast hunters wrap up thing was not very satisfying. So and 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 I think just some things in general, as we were talking about, were not satisfying uh, solutions. I guess. Yeah.
2: Uh, any any final thoughts on this, or?
1: I like this. I'm glad you made me watch it. Good. Oh, I make me
3: but still. <laughs> <laughs> i I enjoyed the the theme of this episode. I think I think it was well done, Mike. like the 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 vampires and the vampires. like I, yeah, like
2: I yeah, think I, I, think I, think I think tried to cause it's like I vaguely remembered this episode because I had seen it before. And I I was like, oh, yeah, wasn't there an episode of Prime somewhere where there were, like, energy vampires? And then I was like, oh, yeah, it's this episode. And then, like, I I didn't rewatch it until today. And I was kind of like, oh, no, like, this episode has a lot of, like, continuity to get past. But, uh, like, if, you know, if Justin could follow it, then I I guess, like, it wasn't a big deal. That's not meant as, like, an insult, Justin. I'm not saying you're dumb or something. Like, I'm just saying, like, it it was, you
1: Mm -hmm. know. (laughs) <laughs> me Grimlock have questions.
2: <laughs> I'm not saying you're dumb, Grimlock. I'm just saying, yeah no, but yeah i'm uh, I'm glad it was just easy enough to you know catch on and latch on to really quickly so but yeah, so uh, I, uh, like I said, um in the future when we do Fright fests, if we do another you know we try to do a Transformers Tuesday every Fright fest uh, month and uh, you know we'll try and nail down some of the more you know, Horror-themed episodes or comics from Transformers history. Now that we we have run out of legit Halloween stories, like may, who knows? Like maybe <laughs> Cyberverse will have a Halloween story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You
0: know, know, know what? I
2: gotta look up too. Like you you would think that Rescue Bots or like you know that new Rescue mm-hmm. Bots show currently would have a Halloween-themed episode. So like I gotta look into that too. But yeah, that's that's how we mean to go on in terms of like the fright fest transformers episode so yeah but but yeah so I, I guess that's about it derek why don't you like you know do our usual thing tell people where they can find us and you know if you, find if us you, being spooky
3: or whatever spooky spooky if you, if you want to listen to more episodes of Fanholes fright fest we're we're doing this all month long so the entire month of october we've got all of our spin-off shows we're doing fan holes fright fest stuff uh, you can listen to uh, sentai saturdays you can listen to of course transformers tuesdays you can listen to our proper show you can listen to uh, we, we've also got other shows we've got justice not entirely similar to lightning where we talk about thunderbolts comics we've got big in japan where we talk about anime and that's going to be part of the Halls fright fest we've got uh, comics motherfucker do you read them and that's going to be part of the fanholes fright fest and, uh, yeah, we've, we've got all those different spin-off shows. And then if you want to contact us on the social medias and tell us how spooky and dooky all these episodes were, <laughs> you can reach us on uh, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, we appreciate all the tweets, the likes, the hearts, the shares, and all that good stuff. We appreciate all the listens. We're, of course, over on Podbean. You can stream us on... Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, and yeah, I think I think that's about it.
2: Thank you, Derek. So yeah, this is Mike uh, saying goodbye, and uh, I've always, guys, I've always admired your lustrous finishes.
3: <laughs> hey, well then, this is Derek, Derek WC. I, I'll just say thank you I and mean, leave it at that.
1: This is Justin Sunny Save awesome. me! Save <laughs> me! me! Be a good (laughs)
3: co-host.
2: forgot so. to mention, yeah. I loved when Retcar was like, yo,
3: ay yay, Quinty, you got some splaining to do. <laughs>